I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the mask. Oh, welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dockets on YouTube. And Isaac is away. So much is happening right now. So much that I just wanted to do the podcast myself. There's just so much going on that, man, and especially after that game five, I just wanted to get on a mic, hit hit the record button, and just talk to you guys. And, man, it, it almost feels like, to me, it feels like I'm about to give a eulogy. And I know this is locked on Mavericks, and we don't cover the Warriors, and we don't even cover the Knicks, who have been you know linked to Kevin Durant since the beginning of this season, but... Kevin Durant, Bob Myers just went up to the to the, the, the podium, and I waited until he went up. As soon as I heard he was going to speak, I wanted to wait. And Bob Myers, the president of basketball operations for the Warriors, holding back tears at the podium and saying that Kevin Durant had an Achilles injury, and they don't know what it is. He's going to have an MRI today. <sighs> Man, it, like, we just saw what the Achilles injury can do to DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, he went he's he's a different case obviously. He's a lesser player. He's a you know, different kind of player. He's a bigger player that requires more, you know, he, he has more weight on him and everything, but Achilles injury, we saw what it did to Wes Matthews. I mean, a smaller, quicker, faster player, and he was out for, you know, however long he was out, months, months, like almost a year. And then we even saw when he came back, and Wes Matthews came back early. And even when Wes Matthews came back early, we just saw he was never the same again. And Durant's not reliant on athleticism. I mean, he he obviously is an athletic person, but he's not reliant on it for his game. So he's going to come back eventually, and he'll be, you know, a certain percentage of whatever he was before. But these injuries suck. I mean, these just suck, and you hate it. And you hate it as a fan, even if you're a Mavericks fan. Obviously, you hate it just just because it takes out one of the best players in the game, a guy that you know, people love watching, that I love watching. You know, Mavericks obviously have max cap space, and so you start to look start to look too far ahead, and you start to say, well, you know, maybe that that takes one guy off of the table, and so maybe that means that he goes back to the Warriors, and then all of a sudden these other teams with max cap space, and it takes one more guy off the table for the Mavericks because all of a sudden. You know, all these other teams will get, you know, an option. Whatever. Just that's not what this is about. <laughs> we go so far ahead so quickly. And I understand. We do this on this podcast all the time. We, we talk five days a week. We've already gone through a whole thing last week where we say too much and get in trouble. But today on the podcast, I want to talk about Kevin Durant a little bit and about what Bob Myers said. And I want to talk about the game. The game was amazing. I mean, for that to take away from this game is just, it kind of sucks too. <laughs> I mean, that also sucks too is that, you know, there's all these things and the one of the narratives over the last two weeks or just, just over the course of the finals has been, well, there's this finals going on and it's awesome. The games have been great. And all anyone wants to talk about is where anyone's going over free agency. And we, you know, are kind of prisoners of the, the the format of this podcast. We're talking about the Mavericks. They have max cap space this summer, so we've been doing free agency profiles and talking all about it, and that's what you guys are interested in. I totally get that, obviously. But for the national media and for a lot of people, 
all people want to talk about is where everyone's going and not what everyone's doing right now. And for another thing to take away from what people are doing right now, to take away from the game that Steph Curry had, to take away from the play that Draymond Green made at the end of the game, to take away even from, from what Kawhi Leonard did at the end of that game. It just sucks again. It's another reason why this whole thing just sucks. And that's a word that just kind of embodies all of this with the Kevin Durant situation. So we're going to talk about that. Also, just some others. There's so much news today. Like Isaac is at a camp right now. And Isaac texted me. And he was like, okay, so what did I miss today? I'm obviously not. Uh, I haven't been on Twitter at all over the last couple of days. He said, any news this past week? And I was like, well, let me tell you what happened today. KD is playing tonight, obviously. We saw, we saw what happened with that. Tony Parker also retired just today. That also happened uh, on uh, on Monday. And then also the Anthony Davis news. There's more Anthony Davis news coming out. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Woj report about Anthony Davis. He didn't get traded. Don't worry. You didn't miss it. But the Anthony Davis news comes out. And uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll ruin this. I went through and I, I did a list of all the teams that have what David Griffin is asking for. And so maybe I'll do that at the very end, depending on how long I talk about this game. So that's what we're going to do on this podcast. I'm going to talk all about that, talk about Game 5. I have a lot of thoughts about Game 5. And then we have a couple couple of questions, like listener questions, that I've compiled over the last couple of days. So we'll see what we get to on this podcast. But let's start with this game. The very beginning of the game, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they did Oh Canada. And the report before the game was that Oh, Canada, and obviously they're in Toronto. This is game five. They have a chance to clinch their very first NBA title. The first title that's, that City has seen, I think, in like over 20 years. Just an absurd amount of time that the, the City hasn't seen a, a championship between their, their hockey team that they love, the baseball team that they kind of tolerate and that we hate as uh, Rangers fans, and then the, you know, the Raptors, who have been – you know, up and down franchise who have been terrible at times, have been pretty good at times, but never this awesome. And so they're finally there. And they're going to do O Canada. It's going to be a crazy crowd because there's a chance that they could win a title for the first time in their franchise ever. They got Jurassic Park, all that stuff, all the little Jurassic Parklings all over the place. So there's a guy that gets up, and apparently the, the, the report before the game is that they're going to sing O Canada, but the fans are going to do it. And you love that. I mean, that's great. It's great when it comes naturally, when a guy gets up there, a woman gets up there, starts to sing O Canada and, you know, just, or National Anthem or whatever, and just like puts down the mic and just lets everybody in the, the crowd sing it. Uh, or if, you know, somebody's singing it and they, they forget the words or they choke up or whatever, and they put it down, then everybody else in the crowd, like that's an awesome feeling. So they're kind of trying to set this up. So they, so they set it up and this guy comes out and he starts singing O Canada and he's saying a little bit more than I expected him to, like a couple lines, a stanza, if you will. And the camera <laughs> cuts to a bunch of fans, cuts to a bunch of fans. And I tweeted this video out, and it's getting a lot of love. Uh, Eugene Levy, the guy from like American Pie and the guy from uh, uh, Up Shit's Creek, uh, which is S-C-H. I-T-T, it's, a, it's a, a pun or a play on words or whatever. And they cut to him, and he's sitting there, oh, Canada, like, well, well, like singing it in the stands. And so they cut to him, and we were like, oh, Eugene Levy, just in the audience, just there. Cool, good for him, like, awesome. Didn't know he, you know, didn't know he was Canadian or anything, looked that up. 
And then immediately after Eugene Levy, they don't cut to any other crowd or anything. They cut to Drake and Drake is on the sidelines and Drake is like, I don't know how many of you go to church and I don't know how many of you have, have been to church or in a worship service where you're just feeling it. Like, you know, you're just feeling the spirit move and you're just, just feeling the song and the words and just, you know, God's touching your heart in some way, but that's what it looked like. Drake, what was happening to Drake? He's, he's, on the sidelines and then got the camera to him and he is like has his eyes closed and he's swaying back and forth and there had you know there's a camera right in front of his face like literally right in front of it because you can just tell how far the zoom was that like that camera was very close and there's a ton of people on the court obviously too so the camera has to be right in front of drake and he knows it's there so he has his eyes closed and he's singing Oh Canada and he's swaying back and forth. I mean, it was as if it was a girl that wouldn't love him back and he just had to, uh, you know, just sing his heart out. And he was just, he was feeling it. But uh, Oh Canada got Drake in his feelings and I, I died laughing. I, I tweeted that out at Nick Van Exit. You can go check that video out. It's getting a lot of love from like TV writers that love Eugene Levy apparently. So that's kind of funny. Uh, so that happened. And uh, then, then the beginning of the game happened. And let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about this game five. Game five, NBA Finals. It was a clinching game for the Raptors. They come up short. Let's talk about why. Coming up next. All right, Isaac. Dang, that, that is just straight up habit for me, <laughs> for me to come back from break with. All right, Isaac. Man, this game was just... This game was was awesome. The beginning of the game, you had these these Warriors just bombing threes. They were hitting them. Durant was out there, and and Durant was obviously a little bit. He didn't look hobbled. He looked just a little slower. He obviously wasn't driving. He obviously wasn't doing too much at the very beginning of the game. You could just tell that he was going to be there as a spot up shooter. And Durant as a spot up shooter is, you know, better than anyone else as a, as a spot up shooter. He's better than you know many other players, and. Um, he was just he was just spotting up, and he was hitting threes. I think he hit three threes to start the game, and uh, Clay was hitting threes, Curry was hitting threes, and you're like, oh man, this is the this is the Warriors game. Like we're starting to feel that this is gonna, they're going to force a game six, and you're starting to you're starting to look ahead a little too much. And again, you know, prisoner of the moment, you look look too far ahead. And then Durant goes down, <sighs> man. When did he go down? He he played about twelve minutes, so it was in the second quarter. And Durant goes down, and all of a sudden, just th- this, the Raptors, the Raptors fans, the Raptors fans have, have had this incredible, incredible playoff run where they're just looked at as these are the best fans, and, you know, people are cheering for the Raptors just because of their fans, and seeing all the different satellites of the Jurassic Park and the, the Parklings, as I've called them, and you're just, you're looking out, and all of a sudden, you know, Durant goes down with an injury and they pan up. They have this, this great shot where Durant is sitting on the floor and a guy gets Durant on the floor, kind of like eye level with Durant. And he starts to pull out, which is the, the zoom out. And he pulls out from that shot and it starts to show some of the crowd uh, on the baseline and, and surrounding that area. And there's this dude, just this guy, just this guy that you hope you never run into in real life in like a red, you know, sweatshirt red raptor sweatshirt he's he's sitting courtside baseline he's got the, i think he has a backwards hat on because of course and 
he's like waving bye to, to Durant, like right right there, just just waving at him, probably 10 feet away, waving bye to him. The crowd is just, you know, cheering. For not not every person in the crowd, obviously, you can't have not everybody, but there was a, a decent amount where you could hear it on TV, and obviously the players could tell because the crowd's cheering when Durant is down. And then Lowry and 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 uh Lowry and I think Danny Green or Hobaka were like qu- trying to quiet the crowd, like doing the, the backwards angels in the outfield thing where they're like, you know, c- quiet down, quiet down. And so finally they quiet down. They start chanting KD and they, they kind of redeem themselves in that moment. But man, just that moment is going to be talked about a lot. I feel like when people, when we talk about Raptors fans, the way that the way that people talk about Miami's fans when they left early <laughs> in that game, that finals game, when they, they ended up coming back the Ray Allen shot, where you know the Miami fans left, and now it's like, oh, Miami fans, they leave early. That's like the thing that everyone says now. I hope it's not going to be like that. I hope that people don't take that one dude as a referendum to all of Raptors fans because, man, did he set it up really easy for people to take that take. Oh, man, well, Canadians are supposed to be nice. Well, you know what? They're, they're just as mean as, as some of the rest of us here down in, the, <laughs> down in the States and overseas and everywhere. I mean... People are mean all over the place. And so I, I hope that's not a referendum on him, but dang, that was a bad look. That was, that was just a real bad look, especially from that one dude. He's obviously seen I tweeted out the gif of that too, uh, at Nick Van Exit. And so Durant goes out, and now now the narratives start, right? Now now the thing happens where where people will say, you know, did the Warriors pressure Durant to come back? Or, you know, did Durant try to come back too quick? Okay, you can't you can't say that the Warriors pressured Durant to come back, and then like a day ago, not even twelve hours, I guess, come come in and say, man, the Warriors they're just holding Durant out too long. Like, what are they saving him for? That they just have him in their back pocket and they're not using him, they're not playing him. It's you can't have both. It's it's got to be one or the other. He's either some people were saying he's not really injured and he's holding himself out because of free agency and he didn't want to play and he wanted to see the guys lose because. He wanted them to know that they needed him. Like, what? What are we do? This is when the free agency stuff just goes too far. Well, you just take it way too far, and it starts to become like, okay, all Durant is thinking about is free agency. No way, absolutely no way. Just because that's all we are thinking about at times doesn't mean that's all Durant is thinking about. And it's his decision. I mean, he's the guy that his life changes. Where he changes where he goes to work. He changes where he lives. Probably he changes. All these things about his coworkers. He changes all these things about his life, potentially his paycheck. All these things about his life, and we are the ones that think way too much about it. That that is, it's probably unhealthy living, <laughs> to be honest. And so, you know, the the narratives will start. And don't be the guy that says, "Oh, the Warriors forced Durant to come back in." Durant, you know, Durant wanted to come back in, and to see Bob Myers on the podium, the president of basketball operations for the Warriors, just just like holding back tears. I didn't see a physical tear come out. Uh, I wasn't watching in 4K, but I <laughs> didn't see a physical tear come out. But he was kind of choked up. And to say, you know, if you need to blame somebody, you can blame me for all for this, this Durant thing. And the, the things that are going through his head, the reason why I think he got, the reason why I think he got, got choked up, and some people might say, well, how did he get choked up? I mean, what what's the, you know, he, you know, a player got injured. What's the deal? He kind of, I bet he blames himself. Not that he forced Durant to come back, but that that he allowed Durant to come back when he was just on the verge of being healthy again and there was a risk. There's obviously a risk 
that he would get hurt because he did get because he did get hurt. So they'd have to they I think they would have to know that there's a risk that he could re-injure that. And he probably blames himself because this could be an entire year of of Durant's career right in his prime. Probably the best second best, you know, one or two in the NBA best player in the game. And that's a year of his career just gone. That's a year of scoring, that's a year of maybe an MVP, that's an All-Star appearance, that's an All-NBA, that's adding to his legacy, that's maybe a championship if he comes back with the Warriors. There is so many things. I mean, you you want to go crazy with this. This could affect Durant's, you know, coming for the all-time scoring record in the NBA. I mean, he was on pace for Kareem. That record, that incredible, what is it, 36,000, 37,000, something crazy like that. That I mean, that could be in play. It's crazy. It's crazy uh, what this means. And the free agency stuff, obviously, we'll get into all over the summer. But that's why I think Bob Myers was crying, because just the impact that this has, that kind of an injury, and to think that that he made that decision for him to come back and allowed it. And I think maybe the Warriors, I think I kind of agree with the people before that said they held him out a little too long, or that they held him out. And uh, they could have put him in earlier, but they just kept holding on to it, holding on to it until they really needed it. And who knows if, if Durant eventually won out in that battle or, you know, who whoever won, whatever. So Durant goes out, you know, Durant goes out, all that stuff. People are, people are already saying stuff. And the Warriors respond, man. The Warriors went up. They went up like like 13 after he was, he was out, and they just had this response. They were playing these weird lineups. Dem- DeMarcus Cousins came back. I mean, what he's just going to have, if this game goes seven, he's going to have three good games and four bad games, or he's going to have four good games and three bad games because he's just going every once, every two games, he's having just a a great game. And I thought he was playing really well until the very end, obviously. So he's playing, he's playing pretty good. They have have Curry still doing his thing. Draymond picking up some slack. They have uh, just weird lineups again where they're like, okay, well, they're not playing Kawhi, so let's try to take advantage of these minutes. And, and Steve Kerr goes, well, you know what? We're going we're gonna to play Klay Thompson, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Quinn Cook, Jordan Bell, weird, and and Sean Livingston. <laughs> just this weird lineup from Kerr. That's just the guy. That's the players that he's stuck with at this point. Uh, they, you know, they start making their run. They're up. They're up 13, just like three minutes after Kevin Durant is is out. Uh, the Raptors in this game, man. The Raptors are making contact every single time the Warriors are even close to the ball. Anytime a Warrior gets the ball, they're creating contact. Anytime off the ball, they're creating contact. And I saw Ben Thompson, who is a, a noted a noted Bucks fan. And he's a no-tech Ben, I think is his Twitter. And he said, credit to the, to the Raptors for creating contact on every rebound, every defensive possession, and, and, and winning over the reps from the Sixers series, the Bucks series, and now the Warriors series. And that's part of the game and it sucks. And we we've talked about it on this podcast before we hate that it's part of the game that you know the winning over the refs or, you know, dictating how you play and they can't call every single foul. I mean, if they called every single foul in, in game five, it would just, the game would just never stop. It would just, would probably still be going right now. It would just still be playing. So they, they kind of set the tone where the refs are like, we can't call every single one of these. And so We'll call some of them, and some of them be really weird too. Like some of these fouls are like, what? What? That's not a foul. There's so many other things that should have been fouls besides that. Um, but their defense was was coming up big, and the Warriors, what did they? They scored 109 points the first three games, like exactly 109 points, and now what? They scored 106. I mean, they are holding this Warriors team 
you know, below like 110 points. And that is, that's wild. And it's kudos to them. They played great defense in this game. Uh, at halftime, Curry had 23 points, really quiet 23 points. I think, it, you know, the first 10 minutes or so, he had like 20. Uh, Durant had his 11 points. Kawhi only had 13. And Gasol had 15. Gasol was playing another good game. The second half, Kevon Looney started instead of Durant, which is kind of sad. But Kevon Looney, another guy. Another guy that, that, that went out. He is just playing through all this pain. Apparently, he couldn't raise his right arm past, like, his shoulder. Like, if you raise your arm and you can go, like, perpendicular to your your side, and he couldn't go past that. He couldn't go, like, like farther. Like, I can't imagine not being able to raise your arm like that and play defense and shoot layups and all this stuff. And he's just dealing with so much pain. He took another bad fall in this game. And apparently, he's going to be able to play. <laughs> apparently, he's going to play. Uh, Kawhi goes, goes down at the end of the game. Uh, and has this incredible stretch. I mean, just an incredible stretch where he, the Warriors are up, or the Warriors are down one. Oh, no, no. It was the it was the crazy Norman Powell play where the Warriors were expecting a travel from Kawhi. And Norman Powell gets a wide open dunk because all the Warriors are expecting a travel from Kawhi. Where the weird play where he takes a huge pivot, doesn't move his pivot foot. Norman Powell gets the dunk that doesn't look like it's going to go in at all. <laughs> just looks like he's going to miss by three feet. And then Kawhi goes on this run. This this run, this two-minute runner scores 10 straight points. Hits a, hits a transition three. Hits a pull-up two. Hits another three right in Draymond's face. Hits another pull-up two. All of a sudden, the Raptors are up six points with three minutes. They're, they're staring down a title. I mean, literally just staring down their first title ever. And he has their last 10 points. And they, they go down at the end of the game. And Boogie Cousins has a putback off of Steph Curry 3 where he's, he's you know, dunking it, puts it back, and they call that one off. Toronto gets a shot clock violation. Curry ties the game with a 3 after another 3 earlier. Clay hits another catch-and-shoot 3. So he puts them up 3 points after that. It's just in 20 seconds, all of a sudden, they went from having a 3-point you know, lead to a 3-point deficit. End of the game. 30 seconds left. Cousins gets called for a goaltending on Kyle Lowry, so now it's a one-point game. 15 seconds left. Cousins gets called for a moving screen on offense. So now the, the Raptors have their chance. This is their chance. You're down one with 15 seconds left to go. And Kawhi Leonard has the ball at the top of the key. With like five seconds, he drives right. Andre Iguodala just runs off of Kyle Lowry onto... Kawhi to double and Kawhi has to get rid of the ball he's doubled there's four seconds left he, he couldn't have gotten a shot off he swings it over to Fred Van Vliet Van Vliet swings it over to to Lowry and Draymond helps off of Marcus into the corner and he gets a piece of the ball there's a picture that was posted I think I retweeted it but there's a picture that's posted of Draymond getting just a finger on the ball and that could have saved a championship. And it's game of inches. That that is so wild. So crazy. The gamble by Andre Godala to come help and uh and help on that double team. You know, Draymond Green with the amazing play at the very end to get that defensive, you know, possession and get that that block. <laughs> crazy. What a game. You gotta love it. Now you wonder. I mean, now you wonder what happens now. Um the big question, some of my big questions after this game. 
are the Warriors dead? <laughs> you know, as the Warriors, they gave all they had in this game, and now they're going to go back at home, and are they, you know, is this kind of just a sitting duck situation? Also, on the other end, can the Raptors respond? All of a sudden, you have these Warriors that were down and out. Durant goes, Durant comes in place, and all of a sudden, the Raptors are like, oh, dang. Like, the MVP's coming back. Like, what a guy to get on you know, June 10th to all of a sudden just add into your lineup. And we've had we've had people get added via, you know, buyout. Like, all of a sudden, this guy gets added to their team in the middle of the finals. So, the Raptors, how do they respond to this? Because now, all of a sudden, it feels like the momentum's in the Warriors' hands, right? It feels like the momentum has shifted now back to the Warriors because they're going home. Then all of a sudden you have a game seven where some of the most important players for the Raptors are Kyle Lowry, who's not come up big in playoff games, who's been awesome in the finals. So I have no reason to, to doubt him there. But game seven is just a different animal, a different kind of thing than these finals. You have Pascal Siakam who's in his third year. He's been playing basketball for like less than 10 years of his life. So you don't know how he's going to respond. You have Marcus Gasol. It's never been in a situation like this before. He's been in the Western Conference Finals, but he's never been like this. I guess Spain with the Olympics and things like that. Those are big, huge games. You have Kawhi Leonard, who we know who we're going to get. You have Danny Green, who's just been up and down. We have Fred Van Vliet, who's being held together with like duct tape <laughs> at this point. You have Serge Ibaka, who has a good game every two two games, kind of like Demarcus Cousins in a different way. It, we still have no idea who has the upper hand in this series, and it's awesome, and that's what makes this series so great. So, all right, let's uh, let's take another break, and when we come back, we'll talk about you know, we'll talk about the AD situation a little bit, Tony Parker retiring, and then we'll uh, we'll finish up. All right, Isaac. So Tony Parker retires. His 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 career is over finally. <laughs> as, as a Mavs fan, I'm sure everyone is just saying. I'm just glad to see this guy kind of kind of go go out and you know he did great things. He's a great you know scorer. Blah blah blah. Won a Finals MVP. Blah blah blah. Was part of that Spurs team. Smart part of that great Spurs run. Blah blah blah. Let me know what you think about this Tony Parker thing. Uh, if you are just okay, you're you're glad to see him retire and go out in his own terms. You're glad to just see him gone. Uh, if you'll miss maybe the end of his career and hoping to get one over on him but he wasn't with the spurs anyway and now now we get to add you know charlotte hornet great tony parker to the <laughs> to the list of of uh players like you know hakeem going to the raptors and just patrick ewing going to the magic and like weird things like that so tony barger gone not forgotten um i think some of his former teammates would like to forget maybe just maybe also the anthony davis situation so Woj dropped this huge story on Anthony Davis and David Griffin, the the GM or the president of basketball operations for the, the Pelicans. And apparently this is David Griffin's ask. He's starting at this point. And obviously there's going to be negotiation and there's going to be offers. And if no one can offer this, which I don't think a lot of teams can, then he's not going to get it. But here's the offers. Here's the ask, or here's the ask from David Griffin. He wants for Anthony Davis. An all-star player, a current all-star player, a future all-star player, or a potential all-star player, and two first-rounders. And he said, obviously, there's a sliding scale for quality of player. So if you're getting a really good player, for example, you know, if they can get, like this is an example I use I use in here. If they can get like Carl Anthony Towns from the Timberwolves, then obviously you're not going to ask for like, you don't need a potential all-star kind of player. So what they could take like a Covington or a Saric or, it, maybe even Josh Kogi 
or Josh Koji. Um, and then they have all their picks. So, so Minnesota, if they really wanted to get into this and trade at Towns, you know, like they could do that. Uh, and they would qu- probably qualify for this. But the sliding scale is, is kind of interesting, and there's a lot of leeway with that. But that's kind of how it works. So there, there's the original four teams, the L.A. New York teams, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks, the Nets. The Nets, I guess, have a f- potential all-star player in D'Angelo Russell. They could do a sign-and-trade with him, I guess. Do they have a potential all-star? Like, They would have to send... Karis LeVert, I guess. I guess that would be their closest thing. And then their picks are all kind of weird. The Knicks do not have a current all-star or a future all-star. I mean, don't give me Kevin Knox. Don't give me Mitchell Robinson. Sorry about it, but Dennis Smith Jr., no. The Clippers, I guess they have Gallinari, but he's not like a current all-star. Uh, future all-star SGA, but apparently he's not in the deal anyway. The Lakers, they don't have a current all-star. If you look at Brandon Ingram, if you take out like a month at a time and say, hey, look at Brandon Ingram's good, you know, March that he had this year. You say, oh, okay, then maybe that guy could be an all-star. But still, he's in the potential all-star camp. And so they don't. none of those teams have the exact things that, you know, the, the David Griffin wants. The Celtics, now they have, I guess they have Al Horford you could count maybe. They have they have Kyrie Irving that could do maybe a sign and trade, but he's not going to want to do that. No, Kyrie's not going to want to go there. Then you have Gordon Hayward, LOL. And then you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum's not a current all-star. Those are both still potential all-stars. They don't have the the current all-star. So none of those five teams that everyone's talking about has exactly what David Griffin wants. And that's probably why he did it. That's probably why he came out and said this, because he wants to kind of up the offer and say like, hey, you guys got to up your offers because you don't even have the things that we're looking for. Here's the other teams that don't qualify. The Hawks, they don't have a current all-star. Here's the teams that don't have a current all-star. The Hawks, the Bulls, the Kings, and the Heat. Those guys, none of those teams, Goran Dragic, don't give me that. They don't have a current all-star to give. They have few, They have potential all-stars. You know, you have your Trey Youngs and maybe your John Collinses and you have your Darren Foxes and you have those guys. Here's teams that don't have a future all-star and some of these teams' futures are kind of sad. Charlotte Hornets, the Detroit Pistons, the Warriors, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Blazers, depending on what you feel about Zach Collins, and then the Wizards. They have current all-stars. They don't have future all-stars. And some of them don't even have picks, too. Like the Thunder, they owe picks to Philadelphia and Atlanta. So they can't really even trade their picks, kind of like the Mavericks. And then the Mavericks, like the one team that has two of the things, which you wouldn't trade, obviously, Porzingis and Luka, but they have two of the things, but they don't have picks. So they, they couldn't do it. They're the only team on here that just can't do it because of picks. Here are the teams that could potentially qualify. Obviously, some of these are a stretch. This first one is a stretch, obviously. And most of these teams wouldn't even do this, but here's the options that maybe they have. You have the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have a current all-star in Kevin Love. Come on, okay, don't come at me. He he was an all-star, current all-star. Future all-star, uh, Colin Sexton? Yeah, I don't think he's a future all-star, but maybe David Griffin sees something in him. Maybe they like that he shot 40% from three this year. Maybe they like something like that. Then they also have the number five pick this year, which is a good pick, so maybe that helps the sliding scale. And they have a 2021 or 22 pick that they could send. They owe a 2020 pick to Atlanta, and that's top 10 protected. So they have to figure that out before they can trade a 2021 pick or the 20. And they can't trade the 2020 pick if they trade the 2019. All kinds of crazy stuff with that. So that team, the Denver Nuggets, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. Maybe those two combined could create a current and future All Star. Like if you could send both those guys, then they could trade their 2021, 2023 picks. That package doesn't look very good. So, but they could potentially do that. 
The Indiana Pacers. The Pacers have Oladipo and Miles Turner, a current all-star and a future all-star, and they own all their first-rounders. They can put together a package. Now, what's left on their team now is Sabonis and maybe Bogdanovich and, like, Darren Collison, uh, Aaron Holiday. Like, they just don't have enough, so they wouldn't do it, obviously. The Memphis Grizzlies. They have Mike Conley and Jaron Jackson Jr., a current current all-star level player. Mike Conley's been snubbed from the all-star game because the West point guards are insane. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., a future all-star. They can do their 2019 first, and they can do their 2023 first. They could put together a package. Milwaukee Bucks, they could send Middleton and Brogdon, and they own um, their 2019 pick, and they owe protected picks, future picks to Phoenix and Cleveland, so their picks would be kind of weird. But they could send two guys. Wouldn't that be crazy? Giannis and AD. If you just send Middleton and Brogdon. I mean, they could fill out those guys. right? They could fill stuff out. And then the Minnesota Timberwolves offer that I talked about before. You could send Towns and maybe Covington or Saric or Kogi, and then they have all their picks too. Here's an intriguing one. The Orlando Magic, a current all-star in Vucevic, and then they have Aaron Gordon, who's potential all-star, and then they have all their picks. They could put together a package and send for uh, for Anthony Davis. Now, is that better than what the you know those other teams, the Clippers or the, the Lakers? I don't think so. We, you've heard what I think about Vooch. The 76ers, they, this is a, a weird one because they could send Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. That's a current future type all-star. They're both like current potential all-stars. Ben Simmons was an all-star and then future all-stars too. Like Tobias Harris could eventually make an all-star team. Ben Simmons is, is going to make more all-star teams. They can send their 2019 pick and then they owe a protected 2020 pick to the Clippers. So they'd have to figure out something with that, but uh, they could do that. They could put together a package for Anthony Davis. A couple more. Phoenix Suns, they have all their own picks. They have Devin Booker, who's a potential all-star, uh, and even closer to a current all-star, I think, than a potential one. He actually shows real scoring ability. And then DeAndre Ayton, a potential all-star. Would they kind of fudge the Devin Booker current all-star thing because that's a young player they can put with Zion, be a great fit, all that kind of stuff. They can make a move for, for Anthony Davis. Now, obviously, same kind of thing <laughs> with the, the Magic. Like, who do you have at that point? Or the Pacers. Like, who do you have at that point if you send away Booker and Aiton? And then two of your potential picks. Like, you have Anthony Davis for one year and then nothing else. Then the San Antonio Spurs. This is an interesting one. They have DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, apparently, they're already trying to trade DeMar DeRozan. But he's a current-type all-star, and LaMarcus Aldridge is a current-type all-star. They have Deontay Murray, who is interesting. And he's really, really good. Potential all-star. Derek White, I guess you could maybe throw in there as like a potential. He's not going to be an all-star, but a potential good guy. Then they have two first-round picks in 2019 and all their other picks. So maybe they could even do, I think they could even do three picks if they wanted to. They could do both of theirs in 2019 and then their 2021 pick. Boom. Three first-round picks. LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, Deontay Murray, Derek White. Hey, Anthony Davis in San Antonio. Who, who knows? Two more, the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors can do this. Kyle Lowry, future or uh, current all-star. Pascal Siakam, kind of a current and future all-star. OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet. So any number, any c- combination of those guys. They owe their 2019 first to San Antonio, but they have all the rest of their first. So they'd be kind of future, but they'd be able to do it. And then the last one, the Utah Jazz. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and they own all their picks. They could put together a package. For Anthony Davis. Now, obviously, again, they'd have nothing else pretty much if they send Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. But that's a package. It fits all the things that David Griffin is looking for. And there you go. That's a little bit longer solo pod talking about Anthony Davis and the 
the game five and Kevin Durant and all that stuff. So guys, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow talking about some draft picks. You know, 30, we'll do some draft profiles with a couple of guests. So be excited for that. And we'll be back the rest of this week. Isaac's still out, but I'm still here holding it down. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.